Yo, what is going on and welcome to Can We Talk About This with Murphy Wells. I am, of course, him. He is, of course, me. And if you don't know, you do now. And as always, it is good to be back, which I just realized the other day, I've been saying it's good to be back for a long time now on the podcast, the relative long time that I've been doing it. And it's like, where did I go? Now, it's always good to be back because, like, the idea is is that, like, you don't know what tomorrow brings. And obviously, I've taken little hiatuses uh, from the microphone every once in a while. So I, I think that's going to become a reoccurring theme is just the idea of it's good to be back. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, when I say it's good to be back someday, it's that our, our country becomes more patriotic and we stop all this idealistic crybaby bull jive, which actually, in the spirit of that, uh, I got something real special for you guys today. But if you saw on Instagram yesterday, um, you can bet that my knees are hurting because <laughs> ran an impromptu half marathon. And uh, it, it's for a really great cause. I got a really great guy sitting here with me today. And it's been a little while since I brought a guest on. And a big piece that I want people to uh, to take away from today's podcast is you never know when you're going to make a great new friend. And you don't even understand the circumstances. And back to the episode uh, that I opened with the other day about going and visiting Mark, having to get together for his podcast, I, I had mentioned that I had met somebody with an incredible story, and he actually inspired me not only to run the half marathon yesterday, but we're actually doing a lot of really great work together. So for the first time in I don't know how long, I'd like to introduce my guest, my good friend, John JT. Is it Thomas? Is that how you say it? Thomas. It's, it's a, just Thomas. Thomas? I thought it was Thomas. All right. JT Thomas, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Hey, the, the thing is, is, like, because I studied English, most people think I know how to pronounce absolutely everything. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Like, I, I have to ask for people's names and enunciations more times than ever. Sure. Well, my Instagram handle is J-O-N-T-O-M-I-S. So it's the phonetic spelling or sound enunciation of John Thomas. Uh, but that's my government name. I go by JT. My friends call me JT. Government name. I like that. The fact that you use the word phonetic, as as I just mentioned, my my English major status. Which reminder to everybody who listens, uh, I did not graduate with a degree. So, you know, college dropout doing okay, N not perfect, but we're getting there. But dude, it is great to have you on the show, man. How's life treating you today? Uh, well, I'm just fresh off of turning 31, and uh, life is okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I'm aging like a fine wine, getting better with age, uh, and I'm feeling really good. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to this year. Um, as you mentioned, you know, having those sore knees and running the half marathons, it clicked to me yesterday that you know I'm turning 31, running 13.1. Those like there's a lot of ones and threes, and yep. uh, can have a lot of fun with it too. So, with that. I, I have a couple of different points, but I can't get too far ahead of myself because actually, believe it or not, in a lot of cases, podcasting is a linear fashion. There's like a whole story we're going to tell. And as most of my audience knows, I don't really go into these with layouts. I let inspiration do its job. Very few times, even when I do my solo podcast too, I have notes. But I actually turned 30, a little bit of a nervous twitch there. <laughs> I turned 30 uh, March 15th, you being a a veteran more so than me. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really going to lay it in with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna lay it on thick with the 30s today, and like you said, the numbers game. But you've been 30 for over a year now. So, what is what is it shown you so far? Like this first year in the new decade? Because I have forever been scared that when I turned 30, like 
the, the kid years are over, but what everyone tells me is like when you get into your thirties, it's the best decade. You've got a year in any, any purpose, feedbacks, words of affirmation for me. I will say the thirties is fun, uh, because you actually ideally have an income to still be able to enjoy things. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, if I want to go to bed at nine o'clock, I can do that or two o'clock. I can do that. Notice I didn't say AM or PM because it's really up to you. Um, you know, it's, uh, the twenties were maybe mine were a little bit unorthodox, uh, given my, uh, circumstance, but I would say it's, I don't want to be cliche that it's a new beginning, mm -hmm. um, but it's, you're continuously building. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where I don't know how long I have on this earth. So I don't really think about, you know, decades or things like that, but, uh, being 30 is fun so far. It was a great year. Uh, I got to back into playing baseball again, uh, live pitching. So it isn't the slow shit at Beer League Tuesday night. I'll play in, uh, but just saying, hey, my body can still do this. I can still, you know, do things that I enjoy, that I have a passion about. And it's, it's fun. It's something to look forward to. I believe it. And quite honestly, you know, I, I don't know the first thing about baseball. I, I am, I'm the world's least athletic athlete. And I just personally, I, I, when people talk to me about cliches, I love cliches. The, no, I really mean this. This was one of my, this was something I got just ragged for in college was that they said Murphy used too many cliches. I'm like, well, they're true. Like, yeah, but it's not original. To which my point is that originality is overrated. Is anything original? No. <laughs> no, bro. Like, almost all stories we tell each other are from, like, seven different stories. And most of them come from the Bible, which is really, really funny. Even the hero's journey, which is something you and I touched on uh, in our call the other night, which was, he, that is even cliche. And, like, I not the book that first I'm going to write, but I do want to write a book at some point, just kind of for fun and for satire almost, called cliches our parents told us and why they'll never die and a new beginning one door closes another one opens you know the grass is greener on the other side make sure you make your bed eat your fruits and vegetables these are all things most of our parents told us and we were always just sitting there like why why is that better and then like you start doing i'm like oh yeah i guess i should have done that like 10 years ago and i probably like a billionaire by now or some shit well that's a very long title for a book um you could start it off by saying burphy's laws and then go colon underscore and then the cliches this guy might be my new editor i'm just an idea guy <laughs> well hey speaking of idea guys ideas are nothing without execution and you know you have a very powerful mission we're going to be talking about today something i'm glad i'm participating in and like you said the number 13.1 does really play a big role in it and so starting with the actions we're taking, you know, plug yourself for a minute. We'll, we'll get into what it is that we're doing, but then I really want to get into why. So talk about this, this, this grand plan of yours over the next year, over the year of 2023, what is it that you're trying to achieve and why? Sure. Um, my grand plan for 2023 is to run 12 half marathons throughout this entire year, um, which is the 13.1 miles, which I am I want to preface that I'm not a runner. Mm -hmm. um, I mosey at best. Uh, my girlfriend, even whenever I'm in a parking lot, she's like, you take too long to find a spot. Mm -hmm. But I find a spot eventually. Um, but the reason for doing the 13.1 miles, the half marathons, 
is to ideally raise funds for scholarships for transplant patients. You know, it can be either a pre-transplant patient or post-transplant who is pursuing higher education. And I didn't say college because, you know, sometimes right now with the current climate, it doesn't have the best connotations. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I want this to be able to go towards people who maybe be in a community college setting, four-year university, or even a trade school because I value education because personally, my college experience was very non-traditional as someone who was you know, during college and uh, pursuing my degree, was diagnosed with kidney failure, had to go on dialysis, had to prioritize health over the education. Uh, watched my friends who I grew up with walk across the stage at their college graduations, wishing I could be in their shoes while I was sitting in this chair uh, for four hours a session, three times a week. Uh, so there was... One of those things where now I have the opportunity, I have the ability to serve a community that I am not only a part of, but want to be a leader in. I want to be an example of a positive and a successful post-transplant experience because not a lot of people have this opportunity. I think that's powerful, man. Something I've been I've been trying to remind myself of is the older that I get, you know, I'm a year behind you, um, is that a lot of the, the difference between like winners and kind of the masses, cause I wouldn't go so far as to say losers. I think that's, I think that's mean spirited, but I think the difference between people who win big at life, at least are fulfilled in what they do. They see problems as opportunities. And for a lot of folks that would be in your position, which I really want to get into deep into what those years meant to you. They would be. They would let that be the thing that wiped them out. You are seeing it as an opportunity to help people and give people hope and to do something really cool. Because I agree with your point. As a guy who you know, I went through a big state school and went to Missouri State University. I would have gone to Ohio State if it didn't cost me an arm, leg, and a testicle. Forty thousand dollars a year for out of state, man. Like go Buckeyes. But shit, I ain't, I ain't playing that. You know what I'm saying? I got less than that in college debt right now. Really five years. More on that later. You know, I think really highlighting the trade schools part or whatever anyone wants to be educated by, I think that's great because education is the key to becoming valuable in life. And throughout this experience, we're going to learn a lot, not only about each other, um, because I've completely signed on to your mission. I ran my first half yesterday because I was determined before the month of January ends, you know, I'm going to do all 12 half marathons, maybe not the same day because I'll become more of a media role, but I will be accountable. Um, you not being a runner, me not being an athlete, like I'm not an athlete. I, the, the only sport I formally played was kindergarten, like soccer. I literally would be like, hey, coach, can I go over there and play all that jungle gym? Yeah, just get the fuck away from me. Fuck yeah. I still got a trophy. I'm going. Oh, you're one of those? Oh, I was a participation trophy, but I didn't want to play. My mom made me. Yeah, yeah, it was trash. I was trash. Worst goalie ever. But you know what? I think we actually did get first that year. But that's not my point. I want to run something by you real quick in the spirit of the distances you're running. With, with 12 half marathons, do you know what that is in total miles run in just those events? Uh, so 12 times 3, or 12 times 3, 12 times 13, it was 156? Uh, 157.2. 157.2, okay. Has that really sunk into you yet that like you who doesn't formally run? I, I don't think anyone formally runs. I think it's just something that you pick up in life because you're like mad at yourself or you think you know, it's the way into it. I picked, I started running like 
few years ago just because I was mad at the fact that my conditioning was trash and I was starting boxing. Like being a power lifter doesn't help you in boxing. Hmm. You know, but when you think about like signing up and for a good reason to run that distance in 13.1 chunks 12 times in a year, has that really sunk in? Do you have like the gravity of that? Um, I'm not thinking about that. I'm running 13 miles 12 times. Yeah. That, I'm not I'm not thinking of the cumulative because that's going to, that'll get there. That the total accumulation of the mileage will be there after I only have to run 13.1 miles uh, each time. So that's where I, I break it down is to uh, compartmentalize uh, the process and just, it is a daunting task. I've, you know, for the past couple of years, I've done a hundred miles in the month of June, yeah. but that's a whole different ball game. You know, it's over the span of the month, not at once, but being able to put it into achievable smaller pieces makes it easier to digest and not. But then looking back, I can say, wow, that's pretty good accomplishment. Well, the reverse engineering part is absolutely the biggest thing about it. And I mean, I, I mean it more in terms of like, it's awe-inspiring. I mean, much like how you ran a hundred miles, actually, I did something pretty similar to that too. Now that I think about it. When I did Conquer 100, you know, I ran a 5k every day from a certain point in March until a certain point in June, which is like a hundred days of at least a 5k. So I, I don't think it takes away from anything. I think it adds to just, again, the awe behind it. Cause I think this is really cool, man. Um, I think running, and this is something Sal has said before, I think running is one of those things that it just challenges you internally. Like I know people, um, will, will run without music. My friend Kaylee will run without any headphones. Tom has run 125 miles in one day. And he's like, I do not listen to anything. And I'm like, that's a different kind of tough. But when you think about like what, what running has done for you in terms of development on, on a, on a JT level, talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, what has running done for you? Running has allowed me to, because I, I'm not the fastest runner. I just go out there and do it. Mm -hmm. um, it allows me to be by myself, really internalize what I'm doing, you know, the workout, because, you know, if I go to a gym and my, if I'm lifting weights, there's a lot of other people around. You have that sense of community, you have a sense of energy, but whenever you're, whenever I'm running by myself, it kind of puts me back into dialysis in that position where I was isolated. I was by myself. You know, a lot of the times I was alone with my thoughts. Um, whether it was good or bad, it was one of those things where I go through this period of time and then it's over, uh, because I, I run for maybe 30, 45 minutes at a time, or it'll be a 5k, you know, a certain amount of distance and then it's done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's saying, but eventually those miles, you get your better cardio, you're getting a little bit better shape. You get a little bit faster. Uh, so it's one of those things where I'm able to really reflect on myself yeah. and you know it's one of those things where yeah i may be running on a trail and see other people but you know i'm there for a different reason <laughs> no and I, I mean i want to share something with you that uh i maybe told one person i think i told my girlfriend last night and it was like i that flag that i stuck in between that stone barrier at first form that's the flag I, I ran around the building with, uh, the last, not the last time, the, when I was on 75 art and 
it was one of those things that I, I, would, I would touch it as I would go by. And I thought about why I was doing it this time. I was like, you know, I made a commitment to a friend. I made a commitment to myself to short of having to go to the bathroom. Thankfully, there are porta pot. Thankfully, there are porta potties all around because there's always construction being done. If not, I know how to dip off in the woods. Just saying. But I was like, I'm committed to not like walking any of this. And it was my third best time on a half marathon. But it was that last lap, man. It was really, really, really hard to keep running. Like it was tough as fuck. And uh, I'll be honest with you and all the listeners, man. Like I started crying a little bit on that last one. And one of the corniest moments of my life happened right after that. Like in the last minute. I went through the last time the lady was here, we were watching all the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans and I got to a big Tobey Maguire Spider-Man just phase. I'm still in it, if I could be honest. Like the third movie sucks. The first two are pretty good. But the first one especially has like, it's from 2002. That movie is over 20 years old now. It has the song Hero, Chad Kroner, Josie Scott. As I ran towards the flag, that song started playing. Get out of here. Not fucking but that means something to me like if there's divine intervention of any way shape or form that is where it is and i mean it, it'll never corny jokes aside man you know i think i think just having you here to talk about your experiences that all led to this is going to be the thing that helps people really understand where you're coming from you know when we read like a david goggins book you read about his childhood you get it you see origin movies that are you know again to mcguire and spider-man you get a good idea of why you relate to that character. And um, I really want you to kind of break down, if you wouldn't mind, you know, you said it was about, it'll be nine years in June, correct? Correct. So June 24th will be my nine-year kidney transplant anniversary, but uh, February 11th will be my 11-year diagnosis anniversary. So I've spent my, a third of my entire adult life going through this process. That's crazy, man. It's, and to think of where I was then and where I am now, uh, you know, again, cliches, and I, I wouldn't change a thing. Okay. Um, you know, you hear stories about uh, people even who have survived, you know, the Holocaust. I'm not equating my experience, no. you know, by any means, but it's like going, even those, you hear survivors of, you know, how they had hope. And how going through that experience, it just, it changes their mindset and outlook and mentality. And it's like, they're saying, yeah, like I wouldn't change it, uh, in so many words, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to fathom and grasp, uh, who I am as a person, uh, because of that. And, you know, well, I'll, I didn't touch on some of that music stuff too, because I have a wild story um involving that but uh if you want i can just go ahead and start at the at the diagnosis and you know going through that process however uh you want to have this conversation go because bro it's your it's your origin story and quite honestly it's really from the moment like the inciting incident your life changing take it from there if you wouldn't mind sure um i'll actually even go back further before my diagnosis uh so i went to mizzou right out of high school um, and I didn't party in high school, anything like that. Uh, go to Mizzou my freshman year and, uh, discovered natural light and Mario Kart and that beautiful combination, a sweet, sweet combination. Oh, natty. Um, and <laughs> so because of my poor study habits, I had to come back, back home. <laughs> my parents wouldn't say, Hey, 
you're irresponsible. We're not going to continue to support this kind of behavior. You're coming home. And so I said, okay, it sucked. It sucked to go away. Fit to know coming back home, especially when you want to have that initial sense of independence. Um, but it is the best thing. Again, I'm going to say this multiple times is the best thing that's ever happened to me because I went back to the community college. I enrolled just in some general ed stuff, you know, mm -hmm. because whenever I went to Mizzou, I wanted to go into nursing, uh, because I liked helping people. I like science. I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, just carry brothers. Yeah. And so go back to the community college. My GPA skyrockets because I'm living at home. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing nothing. And then the fall of 2011 rolls around and, uh, about Thanksgiving, I lost my appetite. And, you know, someone who's like relatively healthy. I had no other health history except for a broken arm. I had never, like, I haven't been in a hospital since I was born. It's like, I was born, I broke my arm. That's when I went healthy, healthy as can be ever, ever since that. Correct. I have no, I have no reason to think otherwise. And so I lost my appetite and over the span of two months, I lost 20 pounds Jeez. from not eating. I'm like, this is strange. And so at the time I was supporting myself through school by working at the great four-star establishment of Ruby Tuesday. Um, you know, just making money to pay for my school. Good on you for doing that too. Like most college kids are not putting themselves through school. Oh, no, but I, I didn't have a choice. My parents said, hey, we're not going to support this behavior. So it's like, you got to figure it out. And so I had a buddy of mine who worked at Ruby Tuesday at the time. I got the job, you know, started off as a bus or host, yada, yada. Um, and it was actually a time where I was going through server training because that's where everyone knows the big bucks are, server training. If you want to sling those cheddar biscuits, you got you to gotta bring it. And don't talk to me. I know cheddar biscuits right now. The thin five hard, bro. <laughs> I was getting on my skin right now. <laughs> I I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but there was one night where I vividly remember I was doing some side work, end of my shift, and I got lightheaded for about five minutes. I'm like, whoa, this is not okay. This isn't right. And so... I called my doctor and, uh, you know, they said, Hey, let's do a, a blood test. You know, me being the young, relatively healthy American man, I'm like, now nah, just drink some Gatorade and I'll be okay. Uh, turns out I'm glad that I went and got my blood tested, uh, because they had these numbers that showed that I was severely anemic. And, uh, you know, it was the day that I was supposed to be on my own as a server the next morning was a saturday of february 11th 2012. i did a call from a number i didn't recognize and you know if i don't recognize the number i'm not answering then my dad called me he says call your doctor immediately i said okay so i called them and they said uh mr thomas you shouldn't be able to walk your hemoglobin level is less than half that it should be uh we need to see you and I didn't believe them because if I'm on the phone, I kind of walk around the house, you know, I kind of pace my pace. I'm like, I don't believe you, you know, in my head, I said that. So I went back to the doctor and they said, you know, with these lab results, these are pretty significant findings. So we're going to do the test again and we'll see what happens. So we got the test done again and the numbers were almost identical. And the odds of there being error in the in the lab results that significant were astronomical. 
And so immediately I was rushed to the ER uh, and they did an emergency blood transfusion. I've uh, got three pints of blood uh, in me and uh, they did another blood test. At that point is whenever they, you know, the numbers were still about the same. They did a, a renal function panel. So tested to see how my kidneys are working. And my creatinine, which is a you know, part of the protein in the blood, it uh, was skyrocketed. Mm. And, you know, the relative numbers are, you know, less than three. It's like a good, and I was like at 12 or 13. Jeez. So that's the point where they're like, all right, we need to, we need to do some further investigations. So you got no time to waste. No time to waste because kidneys are, are vile. You know, they filter toxins, they regulate your blood pressure, they regulate your body temperature. They do a lot more than uh, people realized. Uh, but they did a, a biopsy and an ultrasound. And my kidneys were 90% scarred, less than half the size they should be and functioning about 10%. And what your body does is, you know, your kidneys don't cough. You have to if you have kind of a congestion or something and you're like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm sick. Like you can tell. Yeah. With your kidneys, you don't know how bad you are, you how bad your condition is until you get to about the 10% or below functioning. And then your body's like in that kind of mode where you're almost in survival mode. Sure. And so my official diagnosis was focal segmental glomerulosclerosis or FSGS. So I'm only good at pronouncing the diagnosis. I couldn't read that back to you if you asked me to. If it was on paper, I couldn't read that. Oh, no, it's I, I can't spell it. Um, but <laughs> you say it. I've read say it. I can say it. Um, and so at that point, they, the doctor came in, the nephrologist said, uh, we uh, need to get have a transplant. And immediately, you know, how great the quality of the, the hospital food is. I had a strawberry smoothie for lunch. Well, I ended up throwing up that strawberry smoothie in a bucket because, like, it was just shock. I'm like, I just turned 20 years old at the time. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, turning, you know, getting into certain decades. Like whenever I first turned 20, yeah. two weeks later, I'm diagnosed with kidney. See, when I turned 20, I was in Panama City Beach, blasted off my face. Yep. So I'm, that's, again, it's a very big perspective point. It shouldn't be in somebody's mind. It's look, a 20 year old person should not have to think about, Mm-hmm. being diagnosed with a life-altering disease. Not at all. And uh, so they said, all right, we got to prescribe dialysis for you. So they put a port into my chest. And so for three times a week, four hours a session, I was attached to this chair. And if you don't know what dialysis is, it is a machine. It's an external machine that serves as a function of the kidney. So it removes a fluid from your body. You know, the excess fluid is that your kidneys would filter, you know, whenever you urinate, um, like that's one of the big things. And accumulation of fluid is not good internally. Uh, and so uh, I was like, okay, well, I was going to school doing well here. I was being a server at Ruby Tuesday, you know, things were going up and then the health became a priority. And so, you know, it's like, well, my life revolved around dialysis at this time. And so, you know, none of my friends had gone through this process. I hadn't seen how somebody handles this at the age of 20. 
So there was a lot of um, isolation that was felt. Man. And so, you know, being a student is difficult enough, especially balancing, you know, academics, a social life, uh, you know, maybe a job, visiting family, like normal, putting that in quotes, normal things that people do just to, you know, part of their life. But if you throw in someone who is uh, on dialysis or you know, someone who needs a transplant, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Uh, it's just an added thing because I can only juggle three things at a time. You know, if it's an apple, orange, you know, any round object, I can juggle those easy. Really bad trip. I can't do shit. I can't multitask for that. And just y'all, I, I got to do one thing at a time, just straight up. When I do the podcast, I turn my phone off. I don't ban. I'm just saying. So this man, this this is impressive. And again, school is typically a young person's first priority. Correct. And you actually were prioritizing it. And as a guy who is, you know, a 2.1, 2.2 lifetime grade point average student, you know, it, it was always one of those things that I always dug myself into a hole. And I always wanted to be where you were at, but it wasn't because I wanted school. It's just because I wanted to succeed in something I was bad at. And here you are doing it. And then life's like, hey, here's a cool slap in the kidney for you. Oh, yeah. Both of them. Both shot. Yeah. Folk. Capital B, capital O, capital A, capital F. I'll shout out Shannon Sharp. As sure as there is Hennessy sitting behind me, I'll just say I love you. And also, I don't think you should have apologized what happened at the, at the Lakers Grizzlies game. That man, that man, T. Morant called you a pedestrian. But anyways, moving forward, I'll, I'll get, bro, I will get off on a tangent that we'll never get off of. So back to your story. All good. And so, you know, someone who, you know, I had my Facebook at the time, still do, but I also had it back then. Um, I just posted my circumstance. I said, hey, this is what's going on. This is, this is what happened. This is the credentials maybe that are needed. If you could help or if you know somebody that could help call and I gave him the, the bars the information so you know weeks would go by and months would go by people would be reaching out calling texting saying hey how you doing how can I help hey, you know, can I get tested and all this stuff and it was a it's an overwhelming blessing that you know per, put into perspective just how many people really care and unfortunately sometimes it does take uh you know, an experience like this for people to realize that more people care about them than they realize. Uh, but you know, you do matter. Um, but you know, one, one by one, they would be denied, you know, whether it's maybe they had elevated blood pressure or maybe, you know, they were a diabetic pre-existing, pre-existing conditions that, you know, were out of their control that they didn't realize as well. Sure. And, you know, I couldn't fault anybody for that it was just like hey because i was prepared to be on dialysis for the rest of my life didn't want to be but i was still prepared and uh all of a sudden i get a actually kind of going back to your uh comment earlier about finishing up that that last you know minute or so when whatever hero came on the power of song and you know breaking down uh you know i got to a really dark place on dialysis especially with comparing myself to others uh, you know, because I saw these people who I've grown up for the past 18 plus years on the same path, doing the same trajectory, having each other's, you know, milestones were lining up. Seeing these people who were, uh, you know, graduating from college and were getting married and, you know, going on the traditional path, so to speak. And uh, I really compared myself to others and, you know, I got pretty depressed it got pretty dark and there were multiple times where I contemplating taking my life because I thought that was just easier than what I was going through 
And I grew up in a uh, religious family and, you know, I drifted apart here and there. And, uh, but there was one evening where I had transitioned. I took my talents from Ruby Tuesday and joined the far superior Olive Garden. Endless soup salad and breadstick. <laughs> Fucking right, bro. I, I won't lie to you. I have not been to a Ruby Tuesday since so I was maybe like eight years old. Maybe once a year I find myself in Olive Garden. You better believe it. Endless soup salad and breadsticks. When you're here, you are family. That's the thing. Shh. I'm really, I'm really Italian too, and I know it's not traditional Italian food. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Still, man, if it slaps, it slaps. I'm not saying it's traditionally good. I'm just saying, you know, it's like two in the afternoon. You're about 18, 19 years old. You got like, you got less than 10 bucks in your pocket. You can, this shit work, baby. Uh, <laughs> but I had a particularly tough shift, and there was almost like a whirlwind of just emotions that were going through. When I sat and talked to my dad, it just like spilled out all of my emotions. And I, we talked to about like two in the morning and about like, I questioned my faith. I questioned God's existence. And, you know, I was just upset. I'm like, if all these people are praying for me, why isn't something happening? And I was, you know, naive. And, uh, that evening I went down to my room and I didn't say any Hail Marys or Honor Fathers or anything like that. I didn't have. I just had a conversation. I said, if you're God, if you're real, prove it. Went to bed. And that was on a Friday night. Saturday night, uh, I was on dialysis and you know, I listened to music because my Wi-Fi was terrible like in those centers. So I was like, I couldn't watch Netflix, but I could just listen to music. I could listen to all the, I just, I can't, can't remember how many times I just burned through uh, album after album and, you know, growing up in the, uh, early 2000s of those emos, like, you know, not a phase. Sugar, we're going down, turns 20 this year also. Oh, yeah, think about that real quick. Um, but, you know, with dialysis, it takes the fluid off of your body. And there are some times where I will lose 11 pounds in a matter of four hours. And it could cause your body to have cramps, you know, especially in your legs and your calves. Um, and I, this particular Sunday evening, I had the worst, it was, almost paralyzing how much pain I was in uh, because they were taking so much fluid off. And uh, I just kept saying over, God, please help me, God, please help me, God, please help me. And, uh, you know, I was like, I turned down the volume of my iPod because I was listening to an iPod at the time. Uh, I pressed pause and I talked to my the nurse and they had to take me off the machine because like I was in so much pain. I walked around the room with this bag of saline just to help even the pressure that's in my in my veins. Uh, and I come back to my chair, and the song that was playing before I pressed pause was A Day to Remember, Have Faith in Me. So it's like that song was playing, and one of the parts of the chorus is, I said I'd never let you go, and I never do. And I was like, at that moment, I was just flushed. I just now, I still get chills every time I think about that experience. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, I had to hit rock bottom. And then that moment, I was like, okay, let's go. Renewed sense of energy, renewed sense of vigor. And I would always have this phrase, you know, talking about cliches as well. I would just say, brighter days are added. And, you know, it's not saying brighter days are next Wednesday. You know, or a month from now, a year from now, but it's just ahead. It's just a way of having your circumstance, whatever it may be, uh, 
and saying, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to last. Eventually something is going to come of it. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually it's going to pay off. Your perseverance, uh, your strength through this adversity is going to pay off. Well, a couple weeks later, I get a message from a girl in high school who currently lives in Spokane, lived in Spokane at the time. I had lost contact with over the past, you know, three years since graduating uh, high school. And she said, Hey, I want to donate. What do I need? And I thought nothing of it from all the people who tried to donate in the past, getting turned away and other, you kind of get numb to it as well. You yeah. know, just eventually just kind of like almost like a copy paste. Here's the information. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that before she even reached out to me, she spent a year and a half doing her own research. Uh, she watched a kidney transplant take place. She watched the surgery. Uh, she consulted with her parents, uh, who are in the medical, both in the medical field, who actually advised her not to do this. Uh, she talked to her friends, saying, "Hey, well, what if your kid needs one?" And you know, but it was she said, "Well, he needs one now." And uh, so she said it was a god thing as well uh, that she wanted to pursue and keep doing this. And that was all before she even reached out to me. And so things started to progress and move forward and the testing started going well. And so she would update me, you know, here and there. And all of a sudden it was towards the end of May in 2014. Uh, she sent me a, a picture of a sticky note that said June 24th. And I, you know, at the time I was living with my dad because he lived in the central location of like my school. I was at the community college and I was working at Olive Garden. Dialysis was all in this four mile radius. Dude, and I just cried, like, because I knew what was happening. Yeah. And so I set up a GoFundMe for her uh, to cover her expenses, like for her rent, utilities, anything that she needed. I wanted to set this up. And in less than, I had a goal of $2,300 or twenty or $2,000 was my goal. And just to say, like, okay, she's going to be recovering for three months. You know, I'm trying to factor in. And in less than 24 hours, I had raised over $2,300. And I'm like, if all of this goes to her. And so the, and my uncle at the time was a chief pilot for Southwest. And he was able to get her flights from Spokane to St. Louis. Because her family, her parents still lived in St. Louis at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I don't know if I've ever hugged anybody tired uh, the more you get me for it was a Tuesday, by the way. Um, the least favorite day of the week. <laughs> hey, I don't know why I hate Tuesdays so much. I fucking hate Tuesdays. Well, it's because psychologically, it's like you spend the weekend, you know, you had your weekend, you do your activities. Monday, what you do, you talk to people about what they did over the weekend. And then Tuesday comes, it's like, I think because of my job, like Monday is a very meeting heavy day, and that Tuesday is just straight workflow. And it's like, it, it's like, this is prep, this is game time. Mm-hmm. And, it's just like the week has really begun. And then it's not a mark against my job, but it's been that way my whole life. Tuesday is just always in the day. I hated everyone hated going back to school on Monday. I hate going back to school on Tuesday because you, you kind of felt rested from the weekend on Mondays. But Tuesdays, you're just like, fuck. <laughs> school, not my job. Big. Small caveat. <laughs> um, but we had the transplant took place. And because of that one decision, because of that permanent decision, um, I was able to go back to Mizzou and finish the degree you know, that I started. It took me nine and a half years to get a four-year degree. Um, but that paper doesn't say it. That diploma doesn't say it. 
Eric Thomas. It took me twelve. It took you four. And deployment ain't got no day. Oh, that's man. That's my fate. That was the speech alone that got me into like personal development. After all my bullshit, I listen to it at least on a weekly basis still. And that that point is really really good. And I, I imagine I'd be able to bring that up today. And it's it's very true because most people underestimate what they can do with a long amount of time, but they overestimate what they do in six months. And like, yeah, it took you nine years, but at the end of the day. You got a lot more out of it than a piece of paper. Think about all the things you took away from that time. Well, not only that, but, you know, I, going back to school at Mizzou, I still was isolated. I still didn't have anybody going through that same process. So I was a transplant recipient who has, I still have to take immunosuppressant medications on a daily basis. Otherwise, I'm back on dialysis. Oof. And, you know, I wake up every single day ready to kick dialysis ass and i'm your boy is undefeated you know there's a cardinals cubs rivalry it's me versus dialysis and i'm gonna beat that motherfucker every single day and much and much like the cardinals cubs you know dialysis is about to go 100 years for anything old and everyone to get a win on you i'm my people from chicago i got your ass i man okay and going back to back my point earlier about baseball look i don't i don't care much about baseball but there are historically like two franchises I hate the fan bases of quite a lot. One of them is the Chicago Cubs. You can't be from, that's not true. I have met St. Louisans, native St. Louisans, who are Cubs fans, to which I say, number one. Number two, like the other like baseball franchise I historically hate is just the Yankees. I just, I hate everything about the New York Yankees franchise. They're, they're, they've won more than us. Their fan base is just as vicious as us, though. Like, St. Louis doesn't have much in sports these days. Like, yeah, we won our Stanley Cup. That was lit. But as far as, like, baseball talk, two of my least favorite franchises right there. The Cavaliers and football, I hate the Dallas Cowboys with a burning passion. I'm a notorious Cowboys hater. I know this is way off topic, but I just I had to interject because, I mean, dude, you just made an amazing metaphor there. Some way, I don't know if you used like or as, but either way, dog, I appreciate the metaphor. Metaphor. It was metaphor. Metaphor. Okay. Assembly uses like or as. Metaphor is not. See, there we go. Teaching. Each one teach one. Right. Look at that. Oh, but yeah, I, I go back into the environment where, all right, I'm going back to Mizzou, older, because at the time I went back at the age of 22. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these kids are still a couple years younger, different life experience. Time has touched this place in its nose. Correct. And so it's like, yeah, I'm kind of building back in where, again, I was financially independent. Uh, fortunately, I was able to work at a at a job that allowed me to to not only pay for my school, pay for my rent, pay for all of my necessities. Found, but by working, you know, at this establishment, um, I'll name it CC City Broiler. Um, so if you're ever in the Columbia area, you know, or if you're familiar with the with the area, um, it's a it's a higher end steakhouse. It's a date night place. It's an anniversary. You know, all the football people, the fans that come in the night before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and do their thing. But there was one particular evening where uh, there was a, happened to be a, a pharmaceutical rep for a company that manufactures a medication that I take on a daily basis. And so one of my coworkers says, hey, JT, we're talking about transplants in there. You should go introduce yourself. And uh, her name is Kelly. Was Kelly, is Kelly, you know. Um, and if I hadn't shared my coworkers of my experience, they wouldn't have thought of 
introducing, you know, having me go over there. And it was a Monday night. I randomly picked up a ship. Somebody just happened to want to go home. Went over, introduced myself, and uh, spoke with a representative. He goes, hey, do you mind if I share your story with my marketing team? And I said, go ahead. Here's my information. And I still keep in touch with them today. Um, because this company created this patient ambassador program around me. They kind of built it around me. And so I was able to, while the student at Mizzou, I'm going to try to excel academically because before I even got into go, before I got back into Mizzou, uh, I had a cumulative GPA, GPA of a 0.67. Now I finally beat someone. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but if you were a university, would you assume that risk of a student into your establishment? I mean, universities being what they're being, no, it's, it's a numbers game. And if, if the, the lower you are from that 4.0, like the more of a liability you are to their reputation. Yeah, so I had to like, write multiple letters of appeal. They yeah. talk about how my GPA was this way because or at this level because of extenuating circumstances. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I, I couldn't fail academically or of my health. And uh, I have this analogy where, you know, I could give it, have an 85% in the class and still be considered successful. But if I gave 85% effort into my post-transplant care, and I'm back to dialysis or day. So it's one of those things where, you know, I've only no pressure now and I can mess up. And so while being a student and while working weekends, I was this patient ambassador where I, they flew me around and I would speak at uh, different patient conferences. I would speak with, uh, you know, patient support groups. I spoke with surgeons, nurses, dialysis centers, uh, just about my experience because the only reason why I took this medication is because I asked, I was experiencing side effects from a different medication. I just said, Hey, is there an alternative? I didn't ask specifically for this medication. I said, is there an alternative? Uh, because you know, I had to be my own advocate. And so through being a patient ambassador, I was able to be a patient representative for Barnes Jewish at different events. And so it went from these patient support groups. Now we're dealing with legislation and policy on a federal and state level. And so from, you know, the journey of just growth of going through that experience, I was exposed to an entire world of patients who are affected by not only kidney disease, but the need for organ donation. Uh, because on average, almost 20 people a day die waiting for a transplant. And that doesn't have to be the case because someone can donate a kidney or a piece of their liver and still live a perfectly healthy life. Uh, my donor actually just had her second kid. Uh, she got married. I got to go to her wedding. Wow. Up in Washington. Uh, and so, you know, on the wedding day, the family said, we want all of Nikki up here. And that was, you know, my kidney. Uh, so that's the only time somebody else has been inside my body. This was a skinny transplant. The only side effect that I have, uh, you know, with having a, a woman's kidney in me is like, I sit when I pee. <laughs> I thought she was about to get serious. I mean, I'm glad you hit that joke in there. Oh, it's all about, the, hey, it's, hey, you know what? It's time to stop shaming dudes who sit when they pee. You know what? Sometimes I'm on the phone. Sometimes I'm typing shit. Sometimes I'm just lazy. You don't want that echo. No, I just no. I want to just sit comfortably and type shit. I don't want to be 
you know, up top, just friggin' navigate and down low, type over here. Like, that's that's too much word, man. So stop demonizing dudes who sit when they pee. Like, it ain't that big of a deal. Now, it's not an everyday thing, all right? But it's like, when I'm on the phone, when I'm doing business, you know what? Leave me the fuck alone. Or well, just, like, sneeze once on your ping standing up, see what happens. I've had that happen, and it's not fun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was a day when I was peeing in the shower. I'm not mentioning who showered, but... It definitely happened. I was like, shit, I got to like spray this water over here. My, I have a lot of B vitamins in my pee, so there's like yellow marks and shit. And I'm like, fuck, there ain't no B mirror. Became a waterbender. <laughs> yeah. You know what i Call me the avatar. Fucking. I'll just have you all know this to all my friends and family who uh, I visit your bathroom regularly. This was an Airbnb, so you're all good. <laughs> but casual segue. Um, I'm, I'm king of casual segues. I'm that's that's my talent like bro like podcasting nah writing nah sales nah cutaways mm-hmm. watch a whole bunch of early family guy skits oh yeah you bet every every day of my life and then you just get you just get roped back in you need some levity in life you need someone who's gonna tell you did it you did this to yourself you were always like so I think happens so I'm be yes that's on you but it did to you I'm sorry bro now it's all do that but you know, be, because somebody made a permanent decision to save my life, that's also a very pivotal moment where it's like, I have a responsibility. I can't screw around because if I miss a dose, it could be a chance of my the kidney rejecting. And, you know, there's no guarantee. There's no, there's no lease. It's like she can't get this kidney back. Once she, you know, once a donor gives their organ, you know, whether they, you know, they're deceased we're living, it's a permanent decision. And so it is the greatest responsibility I've ever been given because from that moment, I'm like, all right, I got to prove some people right. I got to prove her right every single day. And uh, so that's whenever I got into a little bit more of, you know, working out, spending more time in the gym. And it's strictly just to make my body the vessel to last as long as possible to keep this transplant going as long as possible because I could take my medications, I can eat right, I can drink the gallon of water a day, and this could still fail tomorrow. So what can I do today and every day to set myself up to be in a position where she will never regret that decision? And so that's the mentality that I have. Yeah. And I also enjoy life. You know, it's really simple being a, a transplant patient. You take your medications, you get in your lab, it's drawn when prescribed, and you enjoy life. And I've learned that from talking with people who've had a transplant for 20, 30 years. And it's possible. It's like, these are the these are my new heroes. I don't look up to, uh, you know, sports people or movie stars. I look up to people who have gone through something that I have and are continuing to be successful at it. And so I got my degree graduated in December of 2019 and then a pandemic hit. This, this is one of those moments I think is really unique because for many years, all three of them, I've been so outspoken about my thoughts on the pandemic and how how I feel about it. And I think it's that I've never really been in proximity to someone who's had to really don't get me wrong you know my parents are of age where they need to take some precautions my pops is in his his mid 80s and you know we acknowledge that but like to have somebody who is for lack of a better word immunocompromised would you say that's 
accurate? 100%. But you actually have that. You know, this is a great opportunity for me to learn. Like, when you started seeing all the ad, not the, well, I mean, I kind of could call them advertisements at this point because shit, you drive by certain billboards and they're, they're advertising all kinds of medical treatments just because. But when it was really starting to be broadcasted that this was going to be a worldwide event that was, it very well may change the outlook of the rest of our lives, which I, I have differing opinions on that. Take me, yeah, to about March of 2020, because I remember I just turned 27. We went out. There was a great video on my friend Daryl's phone of me singing uh, Holy Grail, just with a bottle of Hennessy to my face at a little club in the South Side about three in the morning. And the next Monday, we got to work. Sal Fisella gets on top of the table. All right, here's how it goes from now on. Work, home, nowhere else. Working 10-man shifts, three different shifts a day. We're going to take care of everybody. we got to be smart. And I was like, man, I was just out getting fucked up for my 27th birthday. And I was just looking at it like, I feel like this is just going to be a joke. I feel like this is going to be nothing. You have an entirely different experience up until this point. Because again, think about when we were both turning 20. Way different experiences. Again, turning 27, you were just about 28. And so like, talk to me a little bit about what the pandemic meant to you and I don't know, maybe your experiences over the last three years, how they've helped shape your, your purview, if you will. Sure. Um, so in, it was a shock at first, um, because, but the beautiful thing is that because people knew of my condition, because they knew that I was immunocompromised, I had an outpouring of support because I lived in a, in a, uh, technically it was a two bedroom apartment, but I lived alone, uh, and so I didn't have to, I never had to go get groceries because people would, uh, would pay for my groceries and they would deliver groceries for me. Mm -hmm. And so I felt nothing but love. Um, and it, that's whenever actually, you know, cause that, and it was insane because I had graduated and I was getting ready to do a, I was going to be a keynote speaker at a national kidney foundation event in Kansas city. Uh, beginning of March uh, or middle towards the end of March. And I had just gotten back from going to a Dallas Mavericks game. I got family down there and got to go to this, you know, my first ever NBA game. It was great. Uh, what a wonderful experience. And then I come back and it's like, things changed. And so it's like, okay, I was getting my insurance coverage through, excuse me, I'm drinking a um, orange sunrise first form night nap. Not that, but if it was, damn, shout out to Andy. <laughs> Love you, bro. Hey, 27 more episodes after this. I'm having you on my podcast. Write it down. <laughs> Gotta get that 50 mark. I'm saying. Um, but, you know, this kind of goes back a little bit further because whenever you get a kidney transplant, you're covered under Medicare for three years, 36 months, which is an arbitrary number because what happens after the 36 months kind of on your own it's kind of like why the retirement age is what it is like hey guess what you worked for the last four years you paid a lot of taxes you could enjoy this for maybe 10 years mm -hmm. trash well right now medicare covers 100 percent of dialysis mm -hmm. which is a hundred and something billion dollar a year uh cost for the u.s government thanks again pharmaceuticals we appreciate you but yeah but then you go and have these take these immunosuppressants every single day but you're only covered for 36 months. 
And not everybody has a spouse. Not everybody has a place of employment that offers insurance. I was a student, you know, turning over 26. I was still, you know, past that age. And so I was getting my insurance through the university because I had to talk to them again, letters of appeal. I had to say, hey, can you consider me as a, a graduate student just by age, you know, whole week, just so I can qualify for this coverage uh, for these life-saving medications? And like, okay. And so they, fortunately, I was blessed to have, you know, a little bit of coverage past graduation because um, I graduated in December of 2019. So pandemic hits in March. Well, my insurance runs out February 16th. I'm like, I had no job lined up. I had no way of paying for my medications. I'm living alone in this apartment. What am I supposed to do? So I had to get a little creative. Um, I said I couldn't, I couldn't go to a job fair. I couldn't hand out my resume. I couldn't meet people. I couldn't, you know, apply for jobs. And so what I did is I took a, an ironing board because yes, I iron my shirts. I iron my clothing. Hashtag, um, very lost art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a tripod and a phone. And so what I did is it took me about five hours to compose this two and a half minute video where off the top of my head, I just said who I am, what my experience is, what I would like to do. And I ended it with saying, if you think I would be a value added asset to your organization, here's my information. And I pretended I wore a suit. I had a little briefcase. I pulled out my resume. I actually had to like, it wasn't just blank piece of paper. It was, and I pretended like I was handing it off to like, you know, somebody who I was actually talking to. And then my last line is, all right, Spielberg, cut. So baby, I just had some fun with it, but it was like my back was against the wall. I had no idea what to do. And so what I did, I just, again, I put it on social media. I put it on LinkedIn. I put it on uh, Instagram and I put it on uh, Facebook and it got shared over a hundred times on Facebook alone, kind of about 10,000 plus views. There was nothing like that hundred shares on Facebook because Facebook was so people you grew up with, people you knew on one on one. You can, you can do big numbers with Instagram or TikTok, but to hit those shares, especially with someone with just like an everyday person's profile, it meant a lot to you, I bet. I mean, I, it was overwhelming. I bet, uh, you know, it just seemed the absolute response because ever since I was diagnosed, I have people in my life that refuse to let me quit. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, I wanted to quit so many times and I had to learn, and this is from Stuart Scott, you know, whenever he was battling cancer, saying, rest and let somebody else fight for you. Booyah. And I had that, you know, cooler than the other side of the pillow. You know, I had, I had that support system and, you know, I also think back, right? If I would have treated my donor any differently in high school, I wouldn't be here. So it's like, you talk about reverse engineering earlier. It's like, I can just look back at my life experience and say, if I didn't do this at this time, this wouldn't be here. If I didn't have a conversation with this person, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't listen to Jeff and Mark's podcast you go to that meeting, that meeting person, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. And so yeah, I shared my, my video, my two and a half minute video online. And all of a sudden I get this message on LinkedIn from this person, a company called CareDX, which is a, a transplant focused company. Um, it's 100% transplant. And I said, Hey, 
This is really creative. I'd love to have a conversation. Excuse me. Had an interview. And uh, I got hired on as a contractor. But, you know, you talked about how the the pandemic affected me. You know, as an immunosuppressed, compromised person, I take medications every day that, you know, I still have an immune system, but it's like enough where it blocks my body from recognizing the, the transplant to attack it because you know, your body's always looking for something. If it's not supposed to be there, your body's like, hey, we got to escort you out, bro. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, firmly yet politely. Um, I, I was, trust me, I was security at nightclubs. And they're like, hey, just be nice to people. And I'm like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I got this dude pissing on the bar. What do you mean? I thought, man, I caught a dude with bar mats in his shirt. And I was like, that's not a regulation. Dude, I, not to veer too quick, but some people, a lot of you motherfuckers in Springfield especially, you get really, really brave. You get really brave about some of the shit you do in bars. There was homegirl of mine who lives here now. She's like, Murph, that dude stole one of my bar mats. I'm like, repeat that. That dude over there stole one of my bar mats. It's in his shirt. No way. Well, sure as I was an antibody and he was a virus in the body of this club, Boogie. I was like, hey, dog, that doesn't sound weird. Open your shirt real quick. He's like, what? I reach in there. I grab it. He goes, that's mine. I'm like, get the fuck out. Yeah. You were the metaphorical immune system for that bar. Antibody Murph. What's up? Get your dose here. Maybe. <laughs> um, but things like pneumonia could be fatal. Uh, tuberculosis could be fatal. The flu could be fatal. I'm like, okay, I don't know a lot about COVID. I don't know a lot about this virus, but I'm not going to treat it differently. True. So it was like, I'm not going to panic or anything like that. And so I'm just going to, you know, be cautious, not dumb, just kind of live my, because, you know, as a student, you know, everyone goes in with the sniffles. If if my person sitting next to me in class had the sniffles and had a cough, you know, I had it for, for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, all right, I know how, like, I know my body. I know how my body responds. And so there was some, you know, guardedness to it, but I never really panicked. And I, I, one thing I never did was I never shamed anybody for the choices that they made. True. You know, because a lot of people for the first time was like, oh, we need to care about these people who are, you know, compromised. We need to care about these people. I'm like, welcome to the party. Like, this is how I live my life every day. Um, it's great, but I don't think you need to shut down an entire country. Forth, I think there's a way to mitigate these things. Um, and so that's kind of where I stand on, you know, leadership and how things should be handled. But again, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties, of course. And, you know, I'm like, I still got to take care of myself. I still got to take care of this transplant. I still have responsibilities for somebody to somebody. And so what I did is I started manipulating my diet. I actually stopped drinking alcohol. Um, you know, as a way for, I was like, Hey, I don't want this to be something that I turn towards trip, like times of uncertainty. I'm like, like this puts me right back on dialysis. Like mentally, the mindset was like, all right, I don't know when this transplant's coming, but I know I'm still going to be okay. I don't know how COVID's going to affect things, but I still think I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So how can I, even though I'm at this compromised state, how can I set my body up to give myself a fighting chance? Mm. It's like, how can I do that? So I started eating a little bit cleaner. I attempted 75 hard a couple times, failed a couple times. Said, hey, and that's because I saw my friends doing it. Oh, and it was one of those things where, you know, I was getting dialed in. I'm like, I'm still working out. Um, 
And so by, by doing these habits of eating better, still like managing my blood pressure, things like that, wow. you know, I'm still living. I still lived. Mike, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I got a transplant, got three intensive life. I'm not going to let this virus take me out. Um, fun fact, after I finished 75 hard, it took, took me a few tries. I finished it in the December 24th was day 75 of 2021. The very next week I got COVID. Man. And so I'm like, but I'm thinking if I didn't go through this process before, you know, the outcome could have been different. Cause at the time I'm down, I was at driving down to Florida with my girlfriend and she had, she actually had given to me, like one of her family members had gotten it. And it's like, it took me two plus, like almost two years to even, I've still never gotten it, but you, you may have it you may not have had any, but it affects everybody differently. Yeah. So I, I don't think there should be a, a blanket treatment for something that affects everybody differently. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, my health is my responsibility. I'm responsible for taking care of this transplant. If so, if my transplant fails, it's going to be on me. It's like my neighbor's not going to be the one who makes this fail. Like my health is my responsibility. I, I really got to, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that's one of the most important things anyone could say about the whole three years that we've been doing this thing because it's still a talking point. There are people who still die and they throw COVID on mm -hmm. the mortality reason. And I, I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with it. But you know what I mean? It's like I, I accept that people will react adversely to it and some worse than others. But at the end of the day, it's a personal responsibility. And I will never forget. I watched this video one time and it was uh, it was Jordan Peterson. I think he was being interviewed by the BBC. And someone asked him the question, they're like, you know, don't you think that public responsibility is more important than individual responsibility? And is Jordan Peterson like, no. And like everyone laughs and, you know, he's him just deadpan. He goes, well, at the end of the day, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here because I, I don't think anyone could sound as eloquent as Jordan Peterson, just calling it what it is. You know, he was like, a lot of people take a moral high ground, as they would call it because they believe that if they get other people to bow down to their initiatives, they're somehow better than the people who practice individual responsibility when really their whole purpose in doing so is just really to look good to their friends and neighbors, but it never really amounts to anything. But when you take personal responsibility, which honestly I think has been the theme of this entire talk from school to actually getting your diagnosis to understanding all the things you're going to have to do, especially when you got that second wind, I mean, it all came down to person, what does 75 hard teach you, but personal responsibility. I think that there are going to be a lot of people that I have probably rubbed the wrong way with my words about the last few years, more so the governance mm -hmm. than the actual virus. But I think that's the best thing you could say. I think it'll probably end up being what the title of this episode is, taking personal responsibility. Maybe I'll leave the for your health part out, but I mean, dude, you really just hit on something right there and it, it I'm. You know, I, I, it really just struck me. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that those words came out right there when they did. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's all I know, uh, because nobody reminds me to take my medications. It's like, I know what the alternative is, and so by doing small things done consistently in strategic places will have a major impact. That's something my dad has ingrained in me, um, and it's true. And so, you know, with COVID and, you know, people telling me how I should care for myself, 
And, you know, I'm like, I know me better than, than you know me. And I, but also in the same breath, I will never judge anybody's decision to do what they feel is best for themselves. So I just, I don't feel like somebody should tell people, you know, those kind of things were, especially when we still don't know effects of these, uh, these vaccines, um, which was, you know, I don't want to go into it, but I, for my own personal choice, um, I did get first two doses, but it's like now all this information is coming out. Like it's, it's, it's not scary, but it, it gets where, yeah. But you know, I, I had COVID and I'm very blessed that I didn't have a serious thing. Cause I went down, we were, like I said, I was going down to Florida hmm. um, at the time. I got so lucky and somebody and they had the monoclonal antibody fusions. Mm. And so like down in Destin, it's so, like, I was able to somehow I said, Hey, this is my circumstance. Somebody had randomly canceled their appointment, said, can you get here by 11 o'clock? I'm like, yep. So I did that. But, you know, I'm still working for the company CareDX as a, as a patient care manager. And my role there is, you know, I get to work remotely. You know, I, I still, you know, at the end of the day, I have a roof over my head. I have food on the table. I have clothes on my back uh, because of this job where my role is to help court facilitate the delivery of these um, specialty blood tests. It's don't sell free donor drive uh, blood tests that is able to detect rejection sooner than the regular labs that transplant patients have. And so every day I get to talk to people who have gone through the same experience and I don't feel as alone anymore. And, uh, but you know, there's also that emotional need in a job where, uh, this kind of ties back into the, these half marathons is that, you know, I'm a very social person. I love being around people. My only social interaction right now is I go into the gym and, you know, be around those people. And yeah, I still go grocery shopping and again, taking personal responsibility. You know, I don't think about COVID anymore. I don't think about that. I just live my life. Um, but with my job, I was like, what else can I do? Because I don't have the traditional five years of sales experience that they have, which is a very archaic method, um, in my opinion. And, you know, I've, I've asked for, Hey, can I develop more into my, you know, professionally? And, you know, there's not really getting the answers that I want as selfish as I am, because I'm a very ambitious individual. Uh, but since COVID began, you know, I've been challenging myself physically. Uh, so in June, I stopped drinking June of 2020, I stopped drinking alcohol and I ran a hundred miles total in the month of June. So it's like, all right, going back into reverse engineering, if I'm going to run a hundred miles, all right, there's 31 days in 30 days in June. Yeah. So I got to run 3.3 something, 3.6, 3.3 something, 3.3 repeating. Yeah. Call it 3.4. Yeah. Miles a day. All right. Okay. Well, if I want to go even further, well, 3.4 divided by two, if I arrive, run 1.75 miles in the morning, 1.75 miles evening, boom. So there were things like that. Uh, for a month, I had did cold showers in the morning. Um, still, you know, my I wanted initially the no alcohol to be a month, but I started feeling good, and so I tried to go a year, and made that happen. Has two years, but again, it's like how can I set myself up to 
make keep this body in as best shape possible to make this transplant last as long as possible? What small decision can I implement here? What small decision can I take out here? What responsibility can I take? What responsibility can I take? And it's like, again, nobody tells me to take my medications. Nobody tells me to eat well. Nobody tells me not to drink. Nobody tells me to exercise. It's like, I have my why. I have my reason. I have my driving force. And it's like, okay, I'm in this position. How else can I add value to this community? How else can I serve this community? Because again, I'm probably not the first person who was diagnosed with this disease going through college, trying to go through the process, trying to navigate things. How can I help them? Because if I'm capable of doing and achieving and accomplishing and living this way, what is somebody else who is waiting for a transplant capable of doing? What kind of potential is there? Does that person who's 70 years old waiting for a transplant get another five years with their grandkids, spend time with family? You start to change what really matters to you. Uh, does that person grow up to become an astronaut? Do people still aspire to be astronauts, by the way? Uh, I, I quite honestly, I don't really know. I've never heard anyone say that's what I want. I think it's one of those things that most people are like, <laughs> we've seen enough scary movies. We've lived in the scary dystopian movie for like the last, I think most of us are like trying to stay down here just so the government doesn't fuck with us. The reason I'm a libertarian, like y'all go to the moon, go to the Mars, leave my fucking house alone. But I'm sure that there are people who still want to be astronauts. I, I love learning about astronomy, if I'm being honest with you. Like, yeah, even learning about shit like black holes blows my fucking mind. Actually, I read that book right there, The Brief History of Time. I barely understood the motherfucker. But okay. yeah, quite honestly, dude, I, I think I think when you start thinking about like space and whatnot, it's, it's a concept that it's hard for us to wrap our brains around because it's limitless. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to tie into your story especially as we start to move towards where we met about a week ago, um, is that the opportunities are, uh, and you, did he, yeah, was, that's how you know someone was a student of the 2010, you know, you say, bitch, you gotta buy, they start doing the shmoney, you know, man. that shit's hard, I'm sorry. I'm glad Bobby is free. Shout out Bobby Schmurt, I'm glad you're free, bro. Um, when you, when you think about though, you know, you, you mentioned about your job, like what else can I do? How can I professionally develop? And you're like, I have to be a little bit selfish about it. You, the the point that I hope you've, you've at least realized yourself, and it's why I'm so passionate about helping you with what you do, especially like when you see Mark and Jeff get involved, say, hey, I'm running a half marathon, and just people randomly show up. Same. The point is, man, is as long as you are, your intent is to really provide value, the opportunities, much like space, are limitless to the point where you won't be able to wrap your head around them. I mean, for the fact of saying that, you know, my podcast gets thousands of listens, that's limitless because it's a number-based thing, and it's, it's awe-inspiring. And to use that kind of imagination to kind of bring it back to an Einstein quote, it, he says that imagination is one of those things that encompasses, like, the life. It has to be limitless, you know? But I want to hopefully turn you on to, because it's someone from the outside looking in towards what you're doing and hearing all of this in depth. I know we spoke again the other day, but really hearing about this is that, dude, it's that thought process of, well, what about the 70-year-old person? Most people write them off, okay? 
most people would hear that, you know, you're vaccinated, I'm not, and they would say that can't happen. It's a limitless thing right now because I, can't, well, I'm, I care that you're healthy, but it's your choice. And it, it, and it totally blows people's minds these days because they're like, you two can't sit in a room together. You guys have to be enemies. No, like it's limitless the amount of things we can do together. And as, as I listen to your story and as we get really in depth to it, I think it's that when you do take personal responsibility for your outcomes and you challenge yourself with 75 mark, it's not what everyone has to do, but it's, it's a big achievement in a lot of people's lives. I mean, I remember the same year that you did it, uh, 2021 was when I started really getting into it. And I was like, dude, I'm a machine. I feel great. I was doing all kinds of crazy things with my fitness, with nutrition and jujitsu. And I was like, I, there's nothing I can't do. And where kind of caps off is the last time I did it, I finished it off with a half marathon. It didn't beat my time this time. But I beat my title on my last one. But to have 11 more opportunities to crank on this bitch. I will get a sub two hour half marathon. Call it. Put it in the books. Put it in the fucking books. What is today? January 29th, Sunday, 2023. Motherfucker, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a sub to our, we got a guy who works at HQ, his name is Josh Ward. He just won the, uh, whatever it takes award at our banquet last weekend, the day before I met you. This motherfucker ran a sub three hour marathon and ran a one thirty half. Josh, you're, you're coming to one of these events, bro. Write it down, take a picture, leave a memo. I don't give a fuck. You are coming. You'll beat everybody, but. We got some straight savages at HQ when it comes to running. Will Brown Kip Horse ran 100 miles around our building. Mark has run up to 70 miles. Uh, I believe it was with Will. Like, so just to like see again, like we were just sitting in that room at Jeff's gym last week. And you had mentioned that I think you had seen some of my content before, or you had seen me on social media before. Was that true? Is, is that correct? I have. Uh, so, you know, I, I follow some people on social media, like uh, with S2 and, and First Form, and, you know, they'll they'll put either your post on a, on a story or tag you or whatever the case may be. It's like, well, this guy's good at what he does. Uh, I'm not. So it's like, how can we have a conversation to uh, to say, hey, are you interested in doing this? Uh, but I do want to go back to, you know, talking about the vaccinated, unvaccinated, and the whole division and things like that. Is that one of the, what I have found uh, through my experience is one of the best things about kidney disease and organ donation and organ transplantation is that it does not care. It doesn't care if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't care if you're black or white. It doesn't care what you identify as. Like you're, it, it will affect anybody. Like me, I was a relatively decently handsome, good-looking 20-year-old kid. I still got affected. It doesn't care. But the point is, I'm going to help you. Yep. And I think it's like one of the most, you know, came to my mind. It's like one of the most patriotic things to do is serving Americans uh, affected by this. And, you know, not also not limiting it to Americans because there are people in other countries that, you know, are affected by this kind of thing that could benefit from maybe the work that I do. Unintended consequences. Um, but, you know, kidney disease is actually one of the top 10 killer of Americans. And nine out of 10 people with kidney disease don't know that they have it. So one thing I do want to plug in is if you're listening to this, consult with your doctor about having a renal function panel done. It's a simple lab test, a simple blood draw. Um, and it could really, you, you may not know. Uh, I, I didn't know until this happened. Um, so if I could advocate for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we met. It was the day after I ran the first half marathon of 2023. It was the day after, and, you know, talking about Mark is like, 
the morning of, I, I tagged, both, I was like, first half marathon fueled by Omen Coffee at 9.30 in the morning, running at noon. This one for this Mark is like, hey, Mark gets so much plug on my podcast. I swear to God. Oh, yeah. But drink Omen Coffee, by the way. Absolutely. If it, if it wants to sponsor these runs. Yeah, hey, this is not bad, <laughs> but Mark, you know, it could be. I'm just saying. Continue. I mean, I already subscribed to the coffee. It's like, I believe in it. I, believe in it. I got a couple of bags in my kitchen. And, um, well, he was like, he just shocked him. This said, hey, I'm going to join you. He didn't have to. Um, I do have another uh, friend of mine, Connor, who's, um, he wears many hats, but he's also a firefighter here in St. Louis, um, who actually got me into these endurance runs. And uh, we actually ran my first ever half marathon was, I call them, I call people on the birthday. So if, if you have a birthday and you have, if I have your number, um, I'll call you. Also forgotten art. Also forgotten art. Yeah. Anyone can post on social media, tag you in a post or whatever, but I'll call you. Uh, but I called him three weeks later. We ran, I ran my first ever, uh, half marathon with no training. But, uh, so he said, you know, he already had committed, but then, you know, Mark joined and then he shared on his Instagram story, um, that he ran it and people were responsive to it. It's like, Hey, how can I, you know, I wouldn't do this too. Um, and then the next day, you know, we had the meeting with the Again, we're being more podcast, and that's where you and I had met by, you know, what we did is we introduced ourselves, said where we're from, and a goal that we have this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is me fresh off of half marathon number one, like, I'm jazzed. Oh, this is something else I'm hobbled. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You feel like me today. It was gross. I was wearing boots and jeans. I'm like, why did I do this? Wow, you had to get your legs into jeans the day after. I don't envy you. That's terrible, man. I'm out of these shorts right now. Quite an essay. Like, <laughs> bro, no, I, I, I went to the grocery store. Because actually, believe it or not, I I go to our local grocery stores to buy first form energy drinks more often than not. Just because like, I like supporting a local business. And I, I'm not kidding you, bro. Besides, I had a hoodie on, but I went in these shorts and these slippers as you see them right now. And everybody has bundled up cold. And I'm like, y'all, man, fuck all y'all. I, I couldn't put no legs in no jeans right now. Hell no. I got a pair of Tim's I couldn't even put on right now about what I wanted to. I wanted to say something before you continue, though. And Mark hit me up the night I was at my banquet, which was the day you ran your half. And he goes, hey. And well, he hit me up with his, his yo. That's how me and Mark greet each other. Just, yo, yo. That's just what we do. I don't know why, but it is just what we do. And he hit me up the night before, and we were at the first form and S2 banquet. He's like, yo, you got anything going on tomorrow? I'm like, how early? He goes, probably like 10 a.m. And I was like, what do you got? He goes, I just had a little get-together of people. And to be honest, I was not in the best mood um, at the banquet. I just, this was my first banquet. I was going through sober, um, really sober off alcohol anyways. And I just kind of felt out of place. You know, I was dressed to the nines. All my friends were around me, coworkers around me, having a good time. Select few of us on 75 hard. And I was kind of being a little bit of a Grinch, a little bit of a grimace. Obviously, my lady lives in California, so I was also their stag, for lack of a better word. I'm like, man, I just wish I was enjoying this with her. I wish I, you know, I wish I could call this and have a drink. And these motherfuckers oh, actually had Hennessy sitting out as if they knew I was coming. I looked at Big Tide. He goes, Murder Dirty, about to get on his head. I'm like, I'm on 75 hard. These motherfuckers are playing with me. So there was a big piece of me that almost didn't show up the next day. But I was like, you know what, bro? You're being selfish. Go. Have a good time. Drink some coffee. Meet some people. Like, what's the worst that could happen? So in retrospect, I'm glad I, uh, you know, I kind of sacked up and went because, I mean, a week later, I knew I was going to do a half marathon. I kept my motherfucking word too, dog. You did. You better know that I love you for that. 
<laughs> better appreciate how bad my knees hurt. Man, no, no, man, I love you. You didn't have to do that. Um, and it, it was completely voluntary. The fact that you did it is, uh, speaks volume to, uh, your, your character and your belief in uh, this project that I'm doing. And, you know, I, I, I started this, uh, the running the half marathons. Hey, this is something that I just wanted to do. I wanted, I wanted to add more value. I wanted to give on more and be more. I wanted to give more, be more. I wanted to suffer because, you know, when you, after you run a half marathon again, I'm not a runner. I'm a power walker. I'm mosey harder. They're from the Midwest. You mosey. <laughs> oh, what are, they don't know about moseying out in New York. They don't know about moseying in Los Angeles. Everyone's too fast paced to mosey. Walking down the shore going, oh, let me see fast. Oh, get a squeeze right. Oh, it snaved me the ranch. Would you mind? Well, you slap your legs about, well, that's the universal Midwest goodbye. And well, I'm going to get on, uh, get rambling on out of here. But you know, the, the next day I, I shared that, uh, that goal. And, uh, you, you had mentioned that you were doing your production company and you're say you filmed, uh, that day in life for Mark and you're like, Hey, I, I kind of would do more of this. And then it kind of clicked. I'm like, well, how can I get people at a larger scale of seeing what I want to do? And, you know, it's the whole intention of that meet and greet type of thing was to say, Hey, you know, who knows who could help who? And it was talking about the sense of community. And being there for each other and saying, hey, I may be good in this thing. You may be good in this thing, but I can make a for you. You can make it for, for me. And, uh, you know, I'd reach out to you and I was like, hey, now this is what I'm doing. Would you mind like you know, shooting a couple of videos maybe? And just kind of that way we can post it. Maybe something that looks good because, you know, I think quality matters. And, uh, you know, with, with the power of social media, you know, a lot of it, people can view it as a tool and it used properly, it can benefit a lot of people. And I'm a very optimistic person. And I'm, I know firsthand the power of good social media utilization can do. It changed my life. It saved my life. And so I view this as a way to say, Hey, if we can just kind of post these things, because I could say that I'm running four of half marathons this year, but I still got to show it. And the more people that I tell, the more people that I'm accountable to. Yeah. I'm like, I told you, and it's like, if you don't see me posting that I ran 13.1 miles on my workout, you know, I feel like you're the type of person to call me out. I feel like a lot of people would call me out saying, hey, you said you're going to do this. Wow. Then you got to do it. That's the thing about personal responsibility is that when people see that you're embracing it, the folks that really want you to succeed, which I do really want you to succeed, and I know that you will because... It's one of those things that I've had to take personal responsibility for a lot of the bad things that I've done and the person that I used to be. I mean, I, I, man, you want to talk about substance abuse, like hard drugs, soft drugs, alcohol, money, people, you know, a lot of people underestimate the abuse of people in your life, both taking from them and letting them take of you. And with my business, it's actually when I when I put out the episode where I was like, I started a business legitimately this time. This is one of those things that is like the Andyisms in me. And it's that a lot of people think, all right, cool, I'm an LLC. Everyone's going to be busting down my doors to pay me. It's like, no, dude. Like, no, if you really want to be successful in business, you have to make it about not you. And again, like I've been in sales for a long time, both legitimate and illegitimate back in the day. Even back then, it was a giving function to people. It was about, I'll meet you on your terms. I'm not going to charge you out the ass. It's And it's that with this, it's something I wanted to be involved in and I wanted to help in. And 
I mean, it, it's it's never going to be about the dollar amount. Sure, yeah, I want to try to profit with my business, but if you don't have passion before profit, something that Chris Doe always says, then quite honestly, you're just not going to have either. And like I said, my good friend Dave Mullis, who is a GOAT in my opinion, there's no one who does what he does. He goes, you're in a position right now where you can make a lot of profit because you're doing it because you love it. And quite honestly, that's where a lot of people fuck up is that they don't ever let the passion lead the profit. He goes, use as much passion as you can in the beginning. And this is a passion project because, bro, I have a very close relationship with half marathons. The first one I ever ran was back, I think it was Sal's like 40th birthday. He didn't even know that I did. I don't even think to this day he knows that I did it, but I was doing my Conquer 100 runs. I had to run at least a 5K every day. Well, on day 45, that Sunday was Sal's birthday, and I dedicated my first half marathon to him. And, you know, that one didn't hurt so bad because I was running a 5K every day. I was actually surprised how good I felt. The marathon I did after that on day like 92 was trash. And then I had to do the, then I had to do the Memorial Day Murph the next day with a 5K. That trash. Then the one around the building in the rain with the flag. That's still like my favorite one I've ever run. Uh, the one we had to do a couple months ago, that one was brutal. I was totally detrained. Worst time ever. My, my, my hammies locked up so bad. I stumbled once so I couldn't run after it. I'm like, fuck, there was my momentum. And I, cause like my, my coworker, Brittany, she's like, you were fucking cranking. And like your head started dipping. And then like, I didn't see it for like 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, cause I had to walk the rest of the law. Leave me the fuck alone. But this one, man, like, you know, I actually, uh, me and Aaron Summers are actually accountability partners. You know, we have five daily tasks that we, we keep each other accountable to. He is my authority figure. He goes, did you run a half marathon yesterday? Yeah. With who? I'm like, solo dolo, bro. And it is really that account because when I took that picture and I put it on my story, like ending out January, right? It's true. And it's that, you know, I, when I started 75 hard, which I'm not being big at public about it on social media, I really don't care if anyone witnesses this journey with me, this journey is with me. I, I remembered after we ran the the one in November and I was just like, dude, I have a better effort than that. I'm, I'm sure at some point throughout this year, not only am I going to run another half marathon, but I bet it happens when I'm doing 75 hard. Well, thanks to your motherfucking ass, I'm going to be doing at least two, maybe three throughout 75 hard. So, and just think that even you're, first of all, it's an incredible feat in, task in itself but just a small reminder that that only counts as one of your workouts for the day to fuck yourself <laughs> today okay hey for all of you for all of you on 75 hard you're like yeah i'm in the gym every day for do my walk with my weighted vest that's all well and good today admittedly i haven't done either of my workouts yet <laughs> 45 minute outdoor walk 45 minute yoga andy said yoga counts Fuck everyone who says anything else. Daddy needs to freaking strike. And honestly, I say this too. Yoga is brutal. Yoga is brutal. Yoga is brutal. Like I, I, I pick, I pick like nine movements. I do them for five minutes each and I just sit there. Have you ever sat in a squat for five to 10 minutes? It sucks. But you know what? It opens up the hips. It's the hammies nice and loose, but it's just a different kind of like mental toughness. Cause you hit some stretches, you hit some positions that like, I mean, a guy like me, dude, I am. I am pretzeled over all my years of excessive running 
powerlifting with bad form, being the deadlift guy. I don't deadlift anymore, quite honestly. Jiu-jitsu pretzels you up. So you're just over here for 45 minutes watching the soft-spoken asshole on TV. Or we're going into child's pose, man. Fuck child's pose. Fuck downward dog. <laughs> Fuck sphinx pose. I hate you motherfuckers. I'm giving the pose up. And shout out to my my chiropractor, you know, Dr. Selly, because he was like, you know, just do this one motion right here. Then it'll open up your sciatic. Yeah, I got sciatic like a motherfuckers. So it's not that bad as an instrument. That's all I know. But yeah, man, I mean, as far as, you know, visions for the future and really what you want people to take away as we close out this episode today, man, you know, when you think about like where your thoughts are at, knowing that you've got people who are signed up to do this, not just Mark, not just myself, but you see the posts that are going out there. You see everybody on my post from yesterday, people in Canada talking about they're going to run with us. You know, the next one is February 25th, I believe you said. Correct. When you think about like your hopes for the future and your aspirations and what you see this turning into, drop some knowledge for the people at home because I think when people see what your vision is, that's the big thing about my company. You know, Paradigm Media Solutions is all about bringing your vision to the forefront. It's about bringing it to life, speaking your vision into existence and knowing that it is limitless. What do you want to leave the people with in terms of like what you want this to turn into? Wow. I'm always with the big question. Yeah, that was. Big picture. This is something that yeah, I'm only one half marathon in and having the just a positive feedback that I've gotten is from people who I haven't met yet. I would I would love to meet everybody who, who joins and participates is that uh, the goal, it, it's like, try not to, try not to cry. Um, no, I, hey, bro, I embrace crying on this show. I've run on this show. <laughs> when I film people, especially at fitness settings, I say, hey, make it ugly for me. Make it hurt. Because true expression is one of those things that, quite honestly, you can't just talk it. You can't just say it. You can't just hear about it. Like, you have to feel it. So you have to take this moment and I'm leaving this in the podcast and I'm not editing this part out. You have to make sure that people really feel your, your vision. And that's going to be a thing that makes it truly limitless, bro. There were times in my life where I felt alone. Ah. And now, you know, I'm, I'm doing this by myself. I don't feel alone because I have a lot of support, but a lot of this, I do these things day in, day out by myself. And to have the people who, on a drop of a dime, who I have met recently, the fact that they're having just to support this, because every conversation is an opportunity. If I hadn't shared my goal uh, at that meeting, I wouldn't have people saying, I want to do this too. There's people who say that I'm not a runner. I've never done a half marathon, but I want to do this too. And... It's the support that I, I shouldn't say support. It's the encouragement that many people waiting for a transplant need. Uh, I want to be a leader. I want to be an example, but this is a very daunting task that I can't do by myself. I have to learn to be open to people supporting and open to people doing this with me. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. So just the support is just, it's overwhelming. Um, but what I want to emphasize is anybody can do this. 
know, it's one step in front of the other. I'm not a fast runner. I'm not a runner. Doesn't matter how fast I get there. 13.1 miles is 13.1 miles. Go at your pace. The job will get done. And the whole goal for this is to raise awareness about the need for organ donation and transplant patients. That's who I'm doing it for. That's what the mission is. And I don't want to just stop at 2023. Eventually, what I would like to do is make it a nonprofit. By doing these, putting myself in these positions of physically challenging tasks that just are mental and physical. Actually, it's, it's actually all mental. Wow. But I just want to serve. Because if I feel like if I'm taking care of other people, I'll be taken care of. I'm not, I'm not getting paid to do these things. Um, I will be, I will bring snacks for all those people who participate. The post one snacks are muffled loaded. Uncrustables are the best. I didn't have one yesterday. Uncrustables are the most smack food post endurance event. Don't throw it out there. Shout out Uncrustables. The strawberry jelly. Um, I'll have both. They apparently have one with honey in it. We'll do it all. We'll do a live triple threat. Um, but no, this this is an opportunity uh, to really do something important and to just educate people and just to realize that, hey, there are more, again, there are more people that care about what you do than you may realize. And you just have to talk, you just have to share. Share your experience, share your story. It matters. And, you know, the goal is if we can uh, raise the funds for these scholarships, my initial goal now that I started with this was to have a $500 scholarship mm-hmm. uh, for a pre-transplant patient and a $500 scholarship post-transplant. Uh, but then I was like, why limit myself? You know, going back to the limitlessness. Like, why limit myself to just those two people when if I can serve everybody that needs it, that's what I want to do. Mentioning that, you know, before, and also do thank you for breaking that down. I appreciate it. You, you got the roll out crying. I was hoping you would cry. God damn it. When you, when you think, uh, when you have, uh, talked about having a nonprofit, is, is there some place where people can donate now? Is there, do you have a link or like a GoFundMe or anything possible where people can actually send those funds? Because 500 and 500, I'm just telling you, bro, we're going to, you, you had more than 500 people who just saw my post yesterday. You had probably tens of thousands who saw Mark's story. We're going to have the funds ready, but it's just about saying, where do we put them? Do we have a spot for that yet? Uh, so yes, there is a spot. Thank you for asking. It's a minor detail. Um, I wish I had that detail yesterday, but I was so tired. Like I was like, I ain't talking to nobody. I'm going home. I told the lady, she's like, do you want to just chill? Do you just want to rest? I'm like, that'd be nice. Thank you. So in my Instagram, again, uh, my, uh, Instagram handle is N. T-O-M-I-S. I have a link. So it is a give, send, go. Um, so it's give, send, go uh, slash brighter days are ahead. Um, so the name of the scholarship is called the Brighter Days Scholarship, Brighter Days Ahead Award, uh, because that's what got me through my process and that's what it can go through for this process. And again, I want to reiterate, this is for people who are uh, going to community college, for university or trade school. 
uh, this money, the fund is goes to just offset any sort of financial burden. Uh, we already have to go through enough as transplant patients of managing uh, what we're given, the cards that we're dealt. So if this money is not contingent on just strictly academic. If it goes to rent, great. You know, if you need to buy groceries, great. You know, if you need to go for tuition, great. Just looks, just help because you know the it's one less thing to worry about and one more thing that could be added for you to pursue again. A lot of people pursue education for the you know, pursuing the excellence, you know, and being accountable for themselves. It's like, you know, some people have a different purpose for academics. Ten uh, me, it was getting that degree. That was my number one goal because I saw my friends doing it. I wanted to do it. So I was successful in that regard. And I want to be able to give back to a community that's really not in the spotlight my man I'm, I'm if you can at some point uh i'd like to throw the link to your gifts and go up into my link tree because i'm going to be advertising the shit out of it this unfortunately is going to make me go back into running conditioning so i wrote out a plan today on a weekly basis you know four runs a week one mile the first week that recovery run three miles four times a week that next week then five that's six and a half because that's six and a half that's half it's half Yep, it's I'm gonna be conditioned. I'm gonna get a some two hour. I'll plug it to that. Like you know, one forty fuck. <laughs> you will. Hey, as long as you're training, bro, you will get there. Um, now before we go, you know, I think we've had an awesome conversation, but it's customary when I bring people onto my show, at least per the Dino episode I did a few months back, uh, I let my guest ask me anything. They can ask me anything. It could be personal, it could be professional, it could be entrepreneurial, it could be philosophical, it could be something to do with Hennessy, uh, first form energy drinks, like as he reaches for his energy drink. Now, not an ad. Um, is there anything that really comes to mind? Like, I, I hope there is. Can't leave until you ask the question, but like, ask me something. Guest spotlight, if you will. Okay. Um, all right. I got to. Okay. It's, it's going to be a two-part thing. Okay. If that's okay. That's perfect. Give him more opportunity to talk. <laughs> Number one, uh, you know, thank you very much for allowing me to have this conversation and this platform to share this experience and share these goals with the uh, the host for, because this is going to help so many people that I may not even meet. Uh, but number one, what do you hope to get out of this experience? Because it's going to be, it's a, it's a whole year. Like 75 hard is a challenge, is a daunting task in itself uh, for anybody who's gone through it. Um, but this is an entire year of commitment because now I got you accountable too. Yeah. Because if I don't see you doing a 13.1, saying Murph, what's going on? Um, what do you hope to get out of it? Um, and number two, how are we going to celebrate after number 12? The harder question to answer is that second one, if I'm being honest, because like, I'm going to start with the first, obviously. What do I hope to get out of this? You know, I really did mean it when I said a lot of people have the wrong idea about business. You know, they, they get they get their LLC registered with their state. They get a license for something. They become a personal trainer. And they think people are just going to be beating down their door to work with them. When, quite honestly, it is on that person to go out and market themselves the right way which a lot of people will make Facebook ads. A lot of people are like, hey, should I make a business card? 
quite honestly, the big problem with people in sales, whether it's selling someone else's products or services or going into business for themselves, is that, and I, I don't know this from a whole lot of personal firsthand experiences, but I've seen my friends get into business and fail. And I work for, again, one of the most, some of the most, not just Andy, but Sal, prolific salesman and entrepreneur, Andy, prolific salesman and entrepreneur, Cody, Chris. I, I work for a lot of guys and the big motto is, is that if you want to be successful, you have to make it about other people. You have to get involved. A lot of people get one foot in and one foot out. So what I hope to do more than anything besides make a good friend and contribute to a cause that I do care about, not so much that there's a lot of you know kidney cancer experiences in my life, but because I do truly care about people, I hope to lead by example for people who want to build brands and businesses and be entrepreneurs to remind them that it's not about you. It is ultimately about how you invest in your community and about the relationships you make with people. Because, I mean, like you said, you call people on their birthdays. Okay. My dad, my pops is an insurance pro uh, broker, semi-retired, and most of his, his his clients were elderly. You know, they were older than him. My pops is 85, so, you know, a lot of them are gone now. But he always kept like a stack of birthday cards. My dad loves birthday cards. Now, I hate cards. I don't like getting birthday cards. I don't like gifts, quite honestly. Like I, I said that on my podcast the other day. I'm like, if you give me anything, give me like, you know, something like homemade, you know. But ultimately, it was his ability to care about people is why he practiced, you know, being an insurance broker. You know, I mean, I think he's still technically active these days. So it's to lead by example for all my friends and all my contemporaries on the first end to show them how good business is done. Because, you know, when you and I talked about getting on this project, we talked very little about anything dollars or cents. It was, what's the mission? If I contribute to that with the right intent, not only will we get the point across and get a lot of people involved, we'll get a lot of people that were in your position off to college or get them fed or keep a roof over their heads. I'll gain some experience. It creates an amazing story. And if I am nothing else in life, it is a storyteller. I do have that ability. Number two, I mean, I know you don't get down on the alcohol no more, but your boy probably going to drink some pen. I'm just, I'm saying like, I'm going to roll one. Like this, this is the thing. This is why people who are different can still coexist. Like I don't party anymore for real, for real. Like I like to have a drink every now and again, but it, it's, it's, it's more importantly and more to the point of why you asked, it won't be that I'll have some hen or roll one. Like those things will probably happen regardless, but more importantly, it'll just give me a great basis to say I stuck with something for a whole year, something that at the beginning of the year I had one week to do a half marathon to make sure I touched down in January and hold to my word. Seeing that whole thing play out, like, bro, there's going to be some inclement weather. There's going to be some days where people are hurt and injured. And there are going to be some days where we really don't want to. But ultimately, it, and this is hopefully the point I drive home to you, is that every single one of those runs you complete, not just the half marathons, but the trainings too, every single one is going to add up to the end that you are trying to get to people. And knowing that I could have a role in that, Honestly, the celebration is going to be what's the next task I enjoy to embark on. And maybe you and I do business together for a very long time. Maybe we do multiple podcasts. I would like that. But the celebration will be what's the next cause that I can invest in because it's not about me. It's really not about me. You know, I got into business because the way entrepreneurship has been portrayed to me is that it's my contribution to the world around me. It's my opportunity to make it better. And that's my American obligation. I am, again... College dropout, convicted felon for drug possession. I've been through recovery a couple of times. None of it stuck. Just saying. Um, 
you know, I'm shorter than average. I never played sports. I almost hit Andy Frisella with my car. All those things being true, I could still contribute. And if I can, what's anyone else's fucking excuse? If you can, what's anyone else's fucking excuse? Yeah. Well, thank you. And, you know, small caveat. I think I've said caveat more times in this conversation than I have probably in the past. Welcome to doing any kind of thing with me. You will say a phrase endlessly. Like rutabaga or something. A side joke, y'all don't get it. Uh, but, you know, I, I talked about, you know, the end of celebrating because, like, I, I, I already could see myself doing it. Um, but, again, I can't neglect the days in between training. Uh, for example, for the people listening, uh, the next run is going to be on February 25th, uh, shooting for uh, Creed 4 Park. Uh, that date is significant because that is my march up a thousand days without alcohol for me. So like, that's the only one that I know. And then June 24th of, uh, 2023 happens to be a Saturday. Uh, that's going to be the one in June. Cause that's my nine year Transland anniversary. So the other ones are going to be up in the air, but I still, I want to invite anybody that's willing, able to, uh, you don't have to do all 12. If you just want to join for one, great. Uh, the support, the more the merrier. Uh, there will be uncrustables. Uh, there will be snacks. Go at your own pace. But, you know, this is incredible. This is a, a wonderful opportunity, and I'm really, really, really excited for all of the people that are going to be benefit from me arbitrarily wanting to run. I, w- I want to, before we sign off, I'm going to leave us one last thing. So, my lady is an absolute savage dog. Like, I love this little girl so much. Her name, her name is Emily. And uh, when we had to run the the half marathon for work about a little over a month ago, her in California, she took it upon herself to run a half marathon the next day. She got a sub two-hour half marathon. Yeah, she's, she's cranking. She had a little bit of a cab injury, which she had been, she's been nursing. Um, and she woke up this morning and... She ran as far as she could. So she threw in seven miles for you today. Thank you, Emily. I know she's got a lot of care in that. Love you, big head. Thank you for everything you do for us. Well, other than that, man, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been not only the longest episode I've ever done, we're going in just 10 minutes under two hours, but I think you have an amazing story. I think you're an amazing guy. I think we're going to change a lot of lives together, my dude. Let's do it, my man. Well, guys, thank you for listening up until this point. If you have gotten to this point in the podcast, please do us a favor, especially with today's mission. Share the show, leave a review, leave a rating, tell a friend, do something to get the word out there. Because as we've seen, little actions, little decisions to just take responsibility and go. Like, brighter days are ahead for this podcast, brighter days are ahead for JT, brighter days are ahead for my knees and hopefully some Uncrustables in my future about 30 days from now. It's going to be lit, but that's the show, y'all. I appreciate you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, and we're out. <laughs>